Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. And it is very sunny in here, sparkling clean and sunny. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to another edition of Spotlight Conversations, where I talk to friends in music and in media. More information about the blog, my side hustle as a voiceover artist, some writing I do, pictures I take, anything creative. Go to spotcom.com. That's S-P-O-T-C-O-M-M dot com. Today, through the magic of technology, I don't know how it works, but but it works. I'm in Sussex, England, with New York Times bestselling author Jenny Lacote, who has written the book The Girl from the Channel Islands. It's a true story of a young Jewish woman who was trapped on the occupied island of Jersey during World War II, the summer of 1940, which is where Jenny grew up on the Channel Islands. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Oh, thanks very much for having me. The Girl from the Channel Islands. Did you write that long before the pandemic started, or were you able to finish it up during the pandemic? Tell me about that, and then we'll get into the history of, of the story. And uh, No, the book was actually finished um, sometime before the pandemic started. Um, it was finished in 2019, and the plan, which was a great plan in 2019, <laughs> yes. like so many of our plans back then, um, was that it was going to come out uh, in 2020, um, in May to coincide with the 75th anniversary of liberation in the Channel Islands at the end of the war. Oh. So we had so many things planned. There were book signings and launch parties. And I was going to go over to Jersey, who, of course, had enormous celebrations planned. Um, and I was going to see my family and I was going to go to various events. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, all of that just disappeared in a puff of smoke because <laughs> nobody could travel and nobody was doing anything. So, yeah, it's it's... And the, the publication here was um, was badly timed, unfortunately. But the book was finished, at least, anyway. Now, the Channel Islands is right off the coast of France, I believe, and that's where you're from. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was born in Jersey, which is the largest of the Channel Islands. But having said that, it's only nine by five miles because the islands are actually very tiny. Um, not many people have heard of them outside of Britain, and actually quite a lot of people in Britain aren't exactly sure where they are. Hmm. But they're, they're about 14 miles off the coast of France, um, so much closer geographically to France. But France and England fought over them for hundreds of years, and, uh, and Britain won in the end, and we've been part of the British Isles for several hundred years now. Now, your parents were raised during the German occupation. Did that influence the story, The Girl from the Channel Islands, in any way? I know it's a fiction book, but tell me about the history, too, behind that. Uh, well, the book is fictional, but it's based on real events. And um, it's uh, and the same as the, the film that I wrote, Another Mother's Son, which is about members of my own family. So the whole sort of background to this has been a big influence on me over the years. I was born in 1960, and, uh, of course, that was only 15 years after the end of the occupation. Mm-hmm. And so many people don't realize that the Channel Islands were the only British territory that was actually occupied by the Nazis. Um, they're the, because they're so close to France, it was very easy for, for the Germans just to, just to hop over the water, basically, and take them. And they were going to use that as a stepping stone to invade Britain. But, of course, in the end, that didn't happen. 
So yes, my grandparents had to raise both my father and my mother under German occupation in their, in their really formative years. And I think in the, in the long run, that probably has an influence on, on generations to come. You know, it, it goes on for, for some time, for many decades. And the hero in the book? Um, Hedy Berku was a real um, young Jewish woman who escaped from the Anschluss in Austria and arrived in Jersey in 1938. And I guess she thought that she was going to be safe there because she was the other side of the European continent. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone in 1938 had imagined how quickly the Nazis were going to move across Europe. Uh, so she arrived there um, hoping to be safe. Um, her, her family basically scattered when the Anschluss happened. Then, of course, she became trapped there when the, the Germans invaded in 1940. She was trapped and even more vulnerable than most of the other islanders, all of whom were terrified. None of them knew what was going to happen. But as a Jewish woman, she was particularly fearful. How long did it take you to put just the outline for this story together? Well, there wasn't all that much to go on. What I knew, um, based on um, what historians had, had looked at and the documentation that was available, we knew the kind of the bones of the story, which mm -hmm. is when Hedy arrived in the island, we know that she worked for the Germans. We know that she had to go into hiding and with whom. And we know that she had this relationship with this German officer um, who basically saved her life by bringing her food and keeping her alive. So we knew the bones of this, but very little, next to nothing really, is known about how these people met or how these relationships developed and, and how these people came to have this extraordinary story together in that five-year period. So I used the fact that we did know about the story and also the kind of the wealth of knowledge that I've accrued over several years of working on the subject about the Channel Islands themselves and about the occupation. Um, so that that's really, so the occupation itself is a major character of the book. So your grandparents and your parents were part of fleshing out the novel as well because of the stories they told you growing up. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Jersey, obviously uh, people spoke not that much about the occupation because I say I was born only 15 years afterwards and I think people were still very cautious about speaking about it. It had been such a traumatic time for so many people yeah. and I think many people just wanted to forget about it and to move forward with their lives. They, they didn't want to dwell on that very dark period. So trying to get my grandmother, for example, to, to discuss what happened at that time was actually very difficult. And um, I remember sitting down with her a number of years ago before she died and putting a, a tape recorder in front of her. And mm -hmm. it was very hard to get her to discuss anything. But as, as the, uh, the conversation started to flow, she started to remember things and she started to talk about stuff that I'd completely... I had no idea about. So, yeah, wow. it, it was extraordinary. And she told me lots of little details about, you know, the joy when the Red Cross parcels arrived and the starvation and right. how they had no electricity. And, and it, was, it was a very grim time. Another Mother's Son, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, how did, did you write the screenplay for that as well? Yeah, I wrote the screenplay for Another Mother's Son a number of years ago. And the film came out in the UK in 2017. And that's actually the story of my family. Um, mm. My grandfather um, on my mum's side uh, had a brother and sister, um, Harold and Louisa. And they basically uh, looked after, sheltered 
these Russian slave workers who'd been brought over to work on the um, on the construction work that mm-hmm. Hitler was so enthusiastic about for the islands because mm-hmm. he was convinced that Churchill would want to take them back. So these guys were brought over and they were used as slave labor and treated, I mean, worse than animals. It was appalling. Many of them just died of exhaustion and starvation on the job. So if they could escape from the camps where they were, the locals would take them in because they couldn't get off the island. And that's what um, my great aunt Louisa um, had a a young man that she took in for two and a half years and regarded as a son. Um, And unfortunately, she was betrayed. So the story doesn't have a very happy ending. But uh, I felt it was a story that really needed to be told because there can be quite cruel narratives sometimes about how everyone in Jersey collaborated. And, you know, these 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 stories are clearly not accurate. They're just that there was a mixed story in, in every occupied territory. There were people who were heroic and there were people who behaved atrociously. And, and that, that was the case everywhere, as, w- as would be the same today. As we've seen in the pandemic, actually, it's quite an, interesting, um, it is. quite an interesting comparison. You put people under pressure and some people become heroes and some people, unfortunately, go the other way. Have you thought about writing another historical novel? Well, I'm working on one at the moment, which is uh, proving very tough, actually, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm uh, plowing on with it, which is set in Jersey after the occupation, because that's something okay. that I think hasn't really been explored that much. Um, I think that the trauma um, and the the post-traumatic stress that was caused for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, during the war years, um, I don't think it's really been looked at how that affected the society and the suspicion that grew up around people who had collaborated with the Germans or were suspected to have collaborated, even if they hadn't. And that creates a very divisive society. And I think we're seeing at the moment what happens in oh, yes. very, very divided, polarized societies. So with a sort of a, a nod to uh, what's going on in my country and yours over the last couple of years, um, I felt that it, was, it would be interesting to look back at a time of equal division and, um, and to see how people, how people tried to cope and, and how it affected generations afterwards as well. Now, do you set aside most of the day for research and then write, or what's your process for writing? Um, I think once you've kind of got the main story, I mean, this is what I'm writing now is an entirely fictional account. Um, the projects that are set in the occupation, obviously, you do need to look stuff up all the time, because even if you're just writing about somebody trying to make themselves a hot drink, mm-hmm. you have to think, well, how would they have boiled the water? They wouldn't have had any tea. Um, or coffee. So what were they using? And where would they have got that stuff from? And where would the shops have been? There's all kinds of stuff that you have to think about, even for every detail. Um, and of course, you have to check facts, because with the uh, the big events, like the, um, the deportations of the British people that happened in the Channel Islands, which is in the book, um, events like that, you, you kind of have to get right as far as you can. Because um, because people lived through it. Those were, those were real events that happened, and, and many people will remember them. I'm talking with Jenny Lacoe, a screenwriter, novelist. She's written the best-selling book, The Girl from the Channel Islands, and also a screenwriter on Amazon Prime right now called Another Mother's Son. A little research on you, Jenny, and I see that you were also, and you've also done, um, uh, your teacher, a TV host, um, a stand-up comic. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was my first that my first job after university. Um, wow. I went into stand-up comedy. It was kind of being in the right place at the right time. I was uh, living in London 
and uh, just moved there after university. And there was this whole new, very exciting uh, cabaret circuit that was that was building up. Um, I was I was always annoyed about missing the 60s because it seemed like such an extraordinary right. period. But of course, I was way too young. So luckily for me, I kind of got my own 60s because I was suddenly right in the middle of something that was that was going on that was kind of a zeitgeist um, where clubs were forming. Right. I mean, that was a period that produced all you know so many fantastic comedians over here: Alexi Sale and Rick Mail and French and Saunders and people that uh, I guess some Americans will be familiar with uh-huh. but uh, it was uh, yeah it was um it was a great period and I used to work at the comedy store regularly and I used to do the Edinburgh festival and I wouldn't want to be doing it now no right <laughs> I could I could live without the stress of you know getting on that stage and the names they call you on a Saturday night I can do without that but um it was it was wonderful when I was young and you're touring the country and mixing with a lot of funny people. It was great fun. Now, have you done screenwriting for uh, the British sitcoms as well? Yeah, I've written for sitcoms. That's um, that was kind of my first writing job when I when I came out of stand up and moved into writing. Huh. I thought that I was going to be a comedy writer. It seemed like a, a natural progression, and that's what I did for a number of years. Hmm. And that's actually how I met my husband, who's also um, a comedy writer, because we were working for the same company that produced um, situation comedies. So um, yeah, that was a, that was a great time, but then slowly I moved into soaps, which was wow. so wonderful, and then um, soaps led to dramas, and dramas led to standalone projects, and it sort of developed from there. So yeah, seemed to have uh, seemed to have left the uh, the comedy behind. I might go back to it in in, in next year or two and, and do something comedy again. But there's uh, if you've been working in comedy for years, it's it's quite nice to work on something that you know, doesn't have that pressure to be funny. Right. What did you like the best out of all those things you did before you wrote the novels? Oh, I suppose um, in many ways the film was probably the most satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, Another Mother's Son, uh, just to actually have a film about your family shot and made and in the cinemas is an extraordinary thing to happen. Um, and uh, I also wrote a, a drama documentary, the drama sections, of a program about the death of Princess Diana a few years ago. I and that's saw that. very interesting as well, yeah. Um, because that involved a tremendous amount of research. We had a professional researcher, and we found out a lot about what happened in not just in the last few hours of her life and the weeks leading up to it, but sort of what had led up to it for the couple of years before. And it was very interesting. It certainly put to bed any... Um, any ideas of conspiracy theories for me as well, because, you know, you get into a, a car with a drunk driver and drive at that kind of speed, something is, is very likely to go badly wrong. So, yeah, it was it was really fascinating. And I've been really fortunate to have so many great things that I've worked on over the years. Going back to the Diana story, was it hard getting information? I mean, how did you find the real information? Did you have to go through the royal family? Did you have to go through the government? Did you have certain protocols to get to the truth? The drama that I wrote about Diana was was produced 10 years after she died. And a certain amount of information had already been released. Okay. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't working on the documentary side, um, but they did interview a lot of people who knew her. Um, who had had dinner with her or were good friends with her who had seen her a lot around that time mm-hmm. who were able to give us useful information. There was also um, a very uh, 
I can't remember the name of the report now, but there was a, a big report, hundreds of pages, which came out um, around that time as well. And of course, I was working with a professional researcher. Mm-hmm. So my job was to take that, to take the factual information and to try to turn it to, and, to, and to create scenes out of it, which seemed to make sense if you use all the information. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so and that's really what, um, what writing from true life is about. You sort of look at the facts and you try to extrapolate from that and, and you try to create something from that which feels truthful to you. When you researched for Another Mother's Son and then they made the movie, did you feel they did justice to what you were researching about? Um, I think it was, I think the, the relationship between uh, Bill, um, which is the, the Russian guy, that's what she called him, mm-hmm. uh, that my aunt rescued, um, and the relationship between herself and Bill, I think, was very touchingly portrayed in the film. And that was the most important thing, really, was to try to get a sense of of that mother-son relationship and the fact that she just didn't want to let him go, which is probably why the security became a little lax, because right. had she, she, if she moved him on to a, another safe house when she probably should have done, um, you know, she might, she might have survived. Um, so there's there's a lot to think about when you're, you're you're writing that stuff, but the the occupation aspect of it, there's you can only cover so much in an, in a 90 minute film. There's only so much time, um, so it was nice to to write the novel and be able to use all the additional information that we just didn't have time to put in. So uh, so hopefully a lot more of that is um, is in the Girl from the Channel Islands. Jenny Lacoe Award for short screenplays. Here in the States, we would say, that is cool. Now, how did, <laughs> how did that come about? Well, sadly, um, we've not been able to do it uh, this year because, um, because of the pandemic. All these, uh, all these creative events have just come to, um, come to a grinding halt. But I'm hoping that we'll be able to start it again next year. Uh, this is basically some old friends of mine who I knew when I was 16 and 17 in Jersey uh, who got together to start a small independent film festival in the Channel Islands, in Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh, and I went along, um, I said obviously I, I wanted to go along and support them, and they said, well, given that you're a screenwriter and you've written about the island, would you like to do an award? And we got the um, the Jersey branch of the Seroptimists involved, which is an organization which promotes women in um, in terms of education and okay. and, uh, and uh, creative endeavor, and um, they were kind enough to, to come up with... Uh, with some sponsorship so yeah so we we ran that for a couple of years but um but obviously there was no festival last year right and there's going to, going to be an online festival this year so but in the past did you read every screenplay that came in to, to judge well, well yes um i've yes there was, oh. the first year we had quite a lot and uh, they are only short screenplays because um i knew that i i wouldn't be able to have right. of people write full-length screenplays i'll be i'd be drowning in them but uh, yes no i read them all myself and um yeah, it's 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 a great thing to do because I think competitions like that offer an opportunity for for writers um, who are maybe a little bit isolated and, and not, yes. you know, just don't have the um, the kind of the network that you need to 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 progress with that stuff. So it's yeah, it, it's great for them. I think I can see you writing and in books and researching and doing. What do you do when you're not around books and research? <laughs> well, it's been a, a hugely busy year because we've just moved house, and um, and we've moved into a place that was built in uh, in around 1970, 
and has had very little done to it since then. So, uh, yes, that over the next year, in between finishing my book, I'm mm-hmm. going to be um, either scraping wallpaper or, or picking wall tiles. I oh, good luck with that. <laughs> That'll give you inspiration, though. You'll be thinking as you're pulling off wallpaper, right? Right. <laughs> Well, I think it's actually a great idea for writers to take a break if you yes. can afford to. It, it it's actually does you good to clear your head and do something else for a bit. Um, it's I think that's a wise move. And particularly when you're writing something, uh, a really big project like a screenplay or a book, it is very useful to take a week or two away from it sometimes and then come back to it with fresh eyes. With fresh I think that's really useful. Well, thank you for bringing the history of the Channel Islands to the world, because many people are not familiar with that part of World War II history. And yeah, that's right. Even here, a lot of people are not aware of the um, of, of the fact that they, you know, the only British territory to be occupied, and and the fact that people really suffered as well. It wasn't an easy time for them. They were starved, and people were imprisoned, and it was it was a really difficult time. So yes, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really pleased that um, I'm able to to play a part in promoting that. That generation of folks in their late 80s, early 90s right now that are with us have many stories to tell. Absolutely. And we, and we, have, to, um, we have to get them down before those people are no longer with us. That's right. Thank you for being with me today, Jenny. I've loved talking to you. We're going to have you in again on your next book, your next screenplay, <laughs> your next movie. I hope so. Thanks, Donna. It's been great fun. I've enjoyed it. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.